Welcome back to Locked On NFL Draft. It is a Friday. We appreciate you making us your first listen. I know you can find other shows from the Niners or from the Seahawks or maybe even the Chiefs if you want to. Please check those out. We have to talk about the evolution of the NFL. What is a hybrid player going to do moving forward out of this draft class as they enter the NFL? And who are some wide receivers that maybe aren't getting as much love as the class before them, or maybe they're getting too much? We're going to debate here on Locked On NFL Draft. Our Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, Eric Crocker. And as always, I'm joined by Ryan Tracy and Rob Rang. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Awesome. Nice, it's nice, another nice. Friday, so, right? It's another Friday, man, and we're getting into some edge rushers and really kind of just the, the dynamics around that position, outside linebackers, edge rushers, how are they transitioning? All right, so let's jump into it. And Rob, I mean, you know, we were going to talk about this, you know, about uh, your article and everything like that. When you look at this class and you see some guys that may be tweeners, what's the first thing that kind of comes to your mind? Well, I, I would say that one of the very first players that you have to talk about is Kayvon Thibodeau and the fact that he has primar- primarily been just an edge rusher for Oregon. I say just an edge rusher. He's been absolutely dynamic in that regard. But I think that when we're talking about hybrid players, guys, then a lot of times we focus in on guys who are able to play back in space. And I think that he can do that, who also have the physicality to be able to hold up against the, you know, against the run um, and use his length. This is not just a pass rusher. This is a guy who has really good length and strength at the point of attack. So to me, he is one of the players that stand out to me. Uh, Adam Anderson from from Georgia is another one. Long, lanky guy. Reminds me an awful lot of another former Georgia Bulldog, uh, Leonard Floyd, um, who's had a great deal of success with Chicago Bears originally as a top 10 selection and now obviously with the Los Angeles Rams. But it's not just guys like that. It's some of the bigger guys. I think that when we focus in on hybrid players, anymore we're talking about guys who can play that defensive end that also can be able to slide inside and be able to play defensive tackle as well and that's where guys like demarvin leal from texas a&m aiden hutchinson uh you know also makes some sense and then jermaine johnson a guy that you know previously played at georgia wind up transferring over here to florida to florida state and has been spectacular for the seminoles so far this season so uh between all of those guys maybe george Kalapis from from purdue as well you're talking about five six players who I think all of them are going to wind up going in the first round. And again, I think all of them could arguably be considered hybrid players. I well, agree. With these, you. And it's, oh. it's what hybrid is, right? Is it, is it outside backer two point stance pass rusher down to like a, an actual end in a four man front, or is it the guys that can go into the three tech? Because I think those guys are more valuable right now, I think. So you can spread your pass rush out across your front. Um, DeMarvin is, is really the guy that intrigues me the most. And I, I try to watch as many reps of, of him. I, I find myself zeroing on, in on him when I get to watch his games. For me, I think right now I prefer the three-tech. Eric, do you have a, a read on that and what you like? See, me, I like, especially with the edge rushers, I mean, the, the, the guys that show that big-time athleticism, it intrigues me. But then I am a little bit worried, depending on the system that they're going to, are they, you know, if, if you – 
if you take one of these guys, even like a Thibodeau, I think he'll be fine transitioning into like a 4-3 defense, right, where he's just a pure 4-3 in. But then if you have any type of schematic change, he'll end up being more of a stand-up guy. And I remember the 49ers, they had a long, lanky guy drafted back in, I believe it was 2012, Alden Smith. Is that the year? 2011? All right, where he was that long-ranging guy. And there were some people curious to see how that would play out. But obviously, he was a freak of nature. And Thibodeau seems to be a guy like that. Where, where I feel like no matter what scheme it is, he'll flip, fit and plug in very well. As opposed to a guy like Anderson from Georgia. Is he a guy that you guys think can play a pure 4-3 in? Or do you think he's someone that has to go to a 3-4 scheme where he can either stand up and drop in the coverage and rush but maybe not your pure 4-3 edge rusher. Yeah, for me, I, I don't see him as a guy that's most likely to be able to drop back into coverage. I, I think that what he's at his best is getting upfield, uh, using his length, again, like a Leonard Floyd. I, I think that he can be that 3-4 rush linebacker. I just don't know that he has enough sand in his pants to, to be the that 4-3 that defensive end. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that's one of my biggest concerns uh, about him. And then, you know, going back to DeMarvin or, or Texas A&M, um, you know, I, I think that, that he is one of those guys that, that does project very well inside. And I think that you're seeing more and more NFL teams that, you know, while we think about defensive tackles as being these 300 plus pounders, that to me feels like five, 10 years ago. Uh, I think that you're seeing more and more NFL teams. You're looking for guys who are 285, 290 pounds that are just grease lightning upfield. And obviously, it doesn't take a mathematician to know that the, the shortest distance is, is a straight line. And so if you are able to create a pass rush in the very middle of the defense, rather than having to run around all the way around, it's just that much more impactful. And with the way the quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands so quickly, if you can get that interior pass rush, and I believe that DeMarvin Leal can do that, then then that's one of the reasons why I think that he's going to wind up quite possibly being a top 10 selection in this year's draft. It's funny. You mentioned before, like, what's the first thing you think of, right? First thing is, I think, going to three-tech for him. But for, for Anderson, it's like, how much weight can I pack on to him? Because that's what I think is going to be the determining <laughs> factor, right? Like you said, sand. But I also need some upper body. I, I need him to be able to control and protect his shoulders when he uses that length. And that's my concern is projecting forward is what kind of growth pattern does he have left to him? And I people make a big deal out of senior bowl weigh-ins and, you know, the, the pageantry that it is, quote-unquote. But that this is one guy in particular that I feel really needs to show that he's got some more girth that he can put on that frame, whereas a guy like Nick Benito, who I also think is probably more of a 3-4 rush end, I, I don't have that same concern about him. What's your opinion on him, Rob? No, I, I like him. Uh, he's just obviously a shorter guy, you know, and, and so that that's one of the things that um, I, I think that he is a very productive player. I just – you know, I'm going to kind of expose one of my weaknesses here. I just, when I watch Big 12 football, I'm still waiting for the defense to show up. And so I just struggle until I get the opportunity to see them at an environment like the Senior Bowl, mm -hmm. because I just don't trust it. Um, you know, Seattle took a linebacker, Jordan Brooks, out of Texas Tech, and, you know, he had mind-boggling statistics. 
But at the same time, I just didn't see the physicality, not consistently. I didn't see the ability to be able to play, uh, you know, against the the pass, ironically enough, considering how often they throw the ball um, there. So with Nick Benito, I, I see a guy that had, makes some splashy plays. I also see a guy that, that disappears at times. And so that's one of the reasons why when it comes to playing along the line of scrimmage, I want to see guys who are in the trenches and, and have that kind of trench mentality. And that's one of the things I, I'm kind of excited to be talking about some of the past guys that, that we've seen uh, transition despite being hybrid players at the collegiate level and then gone into success in the NFL. We're going to be talking about that in the next segment as well. Yeah, and before we get to the next segment, I want to ask one last question, all right? So there's a linebacker for the Cowboys, Persons, and do you think that he might change the way that the kind of linebackers are kind of viewed coming out? Because this is a guy, I'm like, man, is he a middle linebacker? Is he an outside linebacker? Is he an edge rusher? And it's like, well, he can be all of them. Are there any guys in this class where you see that have that type of versatility? Not for me. I, I think that Mike yeah. Parsons is just a special player. I mean, he he was my, you know, I I have to think back and, and say if he was my top rated defensive player this past year, but he was damn close. He was certainly my slam dunk choice to be the defensive rookie of the year. Um, you know, just because I, I just saw a guy that was just an absolute, you know, stud at Penn State. And obviously sitting out the season uh, create a little bit uh, of controversy there. You know, he's a big playmaker, big personality. Not every team was, uh, you know, willing to go that route. But I just see Michael Parsons as being a guy who maybe not isn't the most instinctive player. I think there's lots of linebackers out there who can just close their eyes and locate the football better than he can. But it doesn't matter when you're as athletic and as long yeah. and strong as he is. So I, 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 kudos to the Dallas Cowboys, frankly, for their willingness to give him an opportunity to rush up field as that traditional pass rusher. I think it's just showing off his versatility. I think that Mike Parsons is just an absolute superstar waiting to happen. Yeah, he is a freak, man. And we're going to get into some superstars of the past as well and see what Rob and Ryan think about those guys when we come back. This episode of Locked On NFL Draft is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving your communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to connect. Or it's a place where classmates can meet up and do study groups and use the dependable Wi-Fi. And while you're using the Wi-Fi, go ahead, grab you some French fries, grab you some snacks, some McFlurries, some apple pies, a burger, all that good stuff. They got drinks. All right. Win or lose is a place where a lot of teammates like to come after tournaments. You know, competitors, it's the home where away from home where they can use to just recharge and refuel, especially on long road trips, right? Long road trip, you want to pull over and have a place where you can just relax. McDonald's is the place. All right. So what are you waiting for, guys? You need to head over to your local McDonald's right now. Refuel and reconnect and did somebody say locked on nfl draft party and <laughs> maybe we'll have a watch party there but at the end of the day you already know the mcdonald's jingle i'm loving it we're going to talk about some guys of the past especially like these these kind of hybrid guys when you think of hybrid you know guys from the past and i know we talked about bruce Irvin before we got on is he one of the first guys that kind of comes to mind he well, terrorized he my Niners. He terrorized my Niners for years. <laughs> well, and you mentioned Alden Smith. He's another one who terrorizes about everybody uh, yeah. for a long time, you know. And so that that to me is when when I think about hybrid players and and you know 
if they're going to be playing on the on the line of scrimmage, then they've got to have a little bit of, of just dog to them. You know, they they got to be nasty. I mean, because it's it's just a different level of physicality, of course, in the NFL along the line of scrimmage. And and that was one of the things that you, you saw with Bruce Irvin, and certainly during his uh you know during his interviews um, with the Seahawks and with other teams and, and with the media as well, that you knew that this is a guy that kind of had a dark place that he could go to and he could just be that nasty guy when he needed to be. And Aldo Smith, of course, has that as, as well. Um, you know, I mean, and, and they're talking about two very, very different players just in terms of their size and their length and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Alden Smith truly was a freak or is a freak, you know, at his size and, and length and, and, and burst. I mean, when Bruce Irvin came into the league, I think he was 6'3", 251 pounds and, you know, not a guy that had that classic size. You know, he, it was a shocker to a lot of people when Seattle selected him. I think it was 15th overall. Um, but at the same time, he played with that type of physicality. And that's the thing. And I think that when people talk about those hybrid edge rushers, for example, of the edge guys, everybody talks about the burst. Everybody talks about the bend. Do they have the physicality? You know, Ryan talked about it a moment ago with Adam Anderson. Does he have the just the, the, the power in his shoulders? Is he going to be able to hold up at the point of attack? That, to me, is one of the questions. Uh, there's no question in my mind that he can get upfield and be a pass rusher. But if he can't stay on the field on first down when teams are going to run the ball right down his throat, then that's then how do you take him in the first round? And so to me, that is one of the absolute factors you have to think about here when you're talking about these kind of, especially the hybrid edge rushers, is do they have the sand in their pants? Do they have just the, the physicality, the nastiness, the want to, to be able to hold up the point of attack? Another guy that reminds me, because I think I kind of missed on him to tell you the truth. I was... I was reluctant with Sasan Reddick to take that, oh, they're going to move him to off ball. Everything's going to be fine. And lo and behold, not only did he improve playing away from the line of scrimmage a little bit, but when he got back to the line of scrimmage, it looked like he picked up right up where he, where he left off last year in Arizona. I think that is an example right here of what do you have that's that's beyond just the stats, that's beyond your stature in particular. Uh, I think he might be, I won't call him a predecessor to, to Parsons, but another guy that is another tweener, quote unquote, that I think can get it done in a, in a myriad of ways. And those are the kind of guys that I think defenses want to go to in the future. Do you think that that's just uh, an opportunity, Rob, or do you think that they need to be searching out and scouting out guys that they think can play multiple roles? I think that they should be scouting out those kind of guys just because of the way the NFL is evolving, you know, and it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Hassan Reddick because I think that the Arizona Cardinals deserve a lot of credit for the two linebackers that they've selected here the last couple of years and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, two guys who, again, are just athletic freaks that are just bigger and faster than guys their size typically are. You know, or at least faster than than guys their size typically are, and uh, you know, especially in the case of Zayvon Collins, I mean, playing at Tulsa, you know, I think that a lot of people just basically kind of brushed him off, like, okay, he's going up against weak competition. But you know, you're, if you're watching the Arizona Cardinals and the success that they've had so far, I mean, Collins has been a big part of that, and Simmons, everybody knows about him at Clemson. But at the same time, there were some questions about whether or not he was the physical player, like we just talked about. Do you have that grit to actually be able to play that kind of role? 
if, if you're going to drop back into linebacker play and, and be actually even at times a safety play almost with the way that Arizona and previously Clemson have used him, I don't know that you have to have that grit if you have the wheels to be able to run with guys. And again, it, it's just kind of interesting that you mentioned the Arizona Cardinals because I think that they have done as good a job of that as just about anybody in all the NFL. It's Tom Reddick, man. That was a guy. He was intriguing. I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl and just trying to figure out what is he? Is he an edge rusher? Is he a linebacker? And I guess ultimately he ended up being both. You know, the tremendous uh, prospect coming out of Temple. But when we get back, we're going to talk about some big-time prospects at the receiver position and where they rank on Rob Rang's Top 32 when we come back. Guys, I love Thanksgiving. All the good foods and all the good treats and, I mean, there's plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert, but it isn't full of calories and sugar. You already know what that dessert is. All right. It's the perfect time for a built bar. Built bar is the new holiday dessert. Yes. Yeah, it's not sweet potato pie or it's not apple pie, but it's something much better for you. All right. Feast on something that's delicious and you'll feel good about eating it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories and that's on the low end. All right. Most built bars, around 130 calories and only four grams of sugar. So yes, it's packed with plenty of protein. I'll replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar or go to the raspberry built bar instead of raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. And it's low in calorie, low in carb, low in fat and high in protein and covered with 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you are hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go right now to Built Bar and eat a Built Bar or two. You know, share some of your favorite at your favorite family gatherings and, you know, it'll make things way less awkward. Maybe an auntie Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. Have her try one. She might love it. All right. It's, and they have new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check this site and check back often. There's nothing like a built bar. I promise you, especially on Black Friday, mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So the offer right now is go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. All right, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, guys, we are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on to receive your bonus. All right, from basketball to football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers throughout the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So where are you going to go? You're going to go to bet online. That's where the game starts. All right, Ring. We didn't we didn't talk about the receivers in the previous episode, but guys and receivers here, you have three going first round. And I want to talk about the first guy, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. All right. And I live in Arkansas. <laughs> they love Traylon. Matter of fact, I, I live about 20 minutes from his town where he's from, Warren, Arkansas. All right. And he's like a, a hometown hero in this area. But the big six, three, 230 pound receiver, you have him as your 10th best prospect. 
What do you like about him? Well, you just mentioned 6'3", 230 pounds. I mean, then you see the breakaway speed that he has. That's that's one of the things I did not give him enough credit for. Um, you know, I remember earlier we were kind of breaking down some of uh, you know Arkansas's early games, and, and you basically were like, hey, pound the table. Like, you know, don't worry. Traylon Brooks is going to be able to do what he does. And, and so I, uh, I specifically tried to stay away from wide receivers because I didn't want to anger you, sir. You know, I mean, I know he's a former <laughs> defensive back that I might get jammed through the, the TV or the computer screen here. But, um, you know, I, I just think that this year's wide receiver class, guys, I think it's a solid one. But the last two have just been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And so anytime we're comparing this class to the, the last couple of years, I, I think it's difficult just because there's been so many really, really good wide receivers. But I think the Traylon Burks, in terms of his size, in terms of his ability to high point passes, he plays big. He also plays fast. And there's not a lot of receivers, in my opinion, who do both of those things. And I don't know that he actually was going to wind up being a top 10 selection. Again, I think that this wide receiver class, in my opinion, there's a lot of guys who I think that, that fit in with that you know, maybe 25th rank to 45th rank, that late first round to mid second round, that I think are going to be really good football players. But Traylon Burks, in my opinion, with his size, his speed, his success against elite competition, I think that he should be the first receiver off the board in 2022. A lot of people are going to argue with you about that, I think. And I mean, Chris Olave is coming into a season where maybe he had hoped for more. I think that's probably the person of the wide receiver group that you might get pushback on. I'm I'm torn to tell you the truth. I don't I don't have an answer. So if you were to get in that conversation, say I'm just wanted to, you know, I run into Rob on the street and I want to know why not Chris Love it. What's the difference that you see performance wise between these two guys? Because if you run on the street with Chris Olave, I think you knock him over. That's 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 my thing. Is that I think that he's Will Fuller. I think that he is uh, maybe not the same size as Brandon Cooks, you know, but as a straight speed guy that I, I I just I've seen too many drops. Frankly, his statistics are absolutely unbelievable. I I couldn't cover him if you know you gave me twenty yard cushion. I mean, there's no question about that. He can run. He can make people miss. I mean, he is just buttery smooth. Smooth, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. But at the same time, I also see too many drops. I, I see too many times where, especially when he gets hit, that he drops the ball. And, and that's one of the concerns I have is that in the NFL, of course, we all know that the physicality just amps up a, a bunch. And so I see superstar potential. I see some bust factor with Chris Olave. He scares me a little bit. And so that's why I am ab- admittedly lower on him than a lot of people are. I think the Garrett Wilson, the other re- quote unquote other receiver at Ohio State, I think both of them have a chance to be first round picks. I think that he is the more clean football player in a lot of ways. I think he's also a very good route runner, catches the ball a little bit more consistently, at least the tapes that I've been watching. And and so I, I do have some concerns about Alave. I do think that you may absolutely be right, Ryan, that I'll get some pushback on that and that Alave likely is going to wind up being the, the first receiver drafted. Yep. But some of the first receivers drafted the last couple of years have not had the production of some of the bigger, more physical guys like a Burks. Yeah, when I see the guys, especially if I have to choose between those two, and we'll get to the third guy in your top 32, but Traylon Burks at 6'3", 230 pounds, he, he reminds me so much of, like, A.J. Brown, right? And when you looked at A.J. Brown coming out, 
between him and DK Metcalf, they were just, they were so big, especially AJ Brown that he was six feet tall. I think everybody thinks that AJ Brown is like this six, three receiver though. He's, he's listed at six, six foot tall, but he's 228 pounds and he's rock solid. And Traylon Burks, he reminds me a lot of that in, in the way that Arkansas utilizes him. He's like this kind of hybrid guy where AJ Brown, even that, at Ole Miss, they, they used him more as primarily a slot guy. When DK went down, they moved him outside. But Traylon Burks, they do everything with him. And he re- really reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel with like this jumbo version of him, right, with maybe even better vertical speed and better vertical pass-catching ability. I, I'm with you, man. I, I think when you see a guy like this, I know you have him as your 10th-ranked guy. I think the NFL might see it that way as well because you, you can't, like, you know, Olave, he'll never – be that right like he'll never be the guy that's bulked up like that it has that strength and play through contact and then with every, all the ways that they use Traylon Burks it's really exciting to see but there's another receiver in this class that you have at in your top 32 and you have him at as your 24th overall player and that's Drake London and he's having it he has an ankle injury right now do you think that that injury will hurt him throughout the draft process and maybe make him fall down the boards a little bit I, I do, but uh, Drake London is a guy that that I had in the first round, uh, you know, on my big board in September, and you know, a lot of people thought that uh, that he was going to be kind of a flash in the pan, and I don't think that at all. I think he's an absolute stud. I think that it's very, very rare that you see receivers of his height, his speed, his uh, you know, physicality, his body control that play in the Pac-12. I think you see him all the time in the SEC but you don't see him very often in the Pac-12. And so he has been an absolutely dominant player, you know, basically throughout his entire career at, at USC. And, you know, unfortunately with the ankle injury, um, you know, fractured ankle, had to take surgery, as we talked about, uh, you know, in a previous show with, with Derek Stingley, the cornerback at LSU, and he underwent surgery. I mean, we all know that the, the way that that can drop a player before the draft, but I think there's enough time here, I hope, knock on wood for Drake London, that, uh, that he he is able to recover and he is able to answer any questions that people might have about his straight line speed. But I just see a guy who just can physically take over football games at times. Now he's had his drops as well. I mean, it was very critical of Olave earlier. Drake London had some disappointing performances when Stanford shocked USC. Um, you know, part of it was because Drake London wasn't making enough football or enough catches of the football. And, and so there are some ugly reps on tape as well, but I just see a guy who's very similar to Michael Pittman. We talked about before that as a guy that I think might slide into the early portion of the second round, but he's going to make an awful lot of teams wish that they had selected him in the late portion of the first round. If that in fact is the case. I think he's really fortunate that it was a bone injury and it wasn't soft tissue and it wasn't ligaments because I think that would be more uh, calamitous, honestly, for his evaluation for the scouts my question becomes, okay, how much healing can you do? How important is is the timed events going to be for the scouting community? Because this is a guy that, in my opinion, is as much as I like to look at stats, and we all know how much emphasis I place on athleticism, I just throw it out, and the film's enough for me. I'm, I'm comfortable with him somewhere between 25 and 45. Anywhere in there is good with me. I, I think I might have a preference or two, but we don't need to go into that. Do you think that as long as he can get to the combine, have the medicals, and and at least do some of the the measurement type things, do you think that it's critical for him to do the timed events? I, I don't. I mean, for me, I, I don't see a guy who's going to 
being the four threes. I, I wonder if he's going to break that four or five Oh Mark. Mm-hmm. I just don't care. You know, I, I just see a guy who goes up and gets the football. And, and I think that in, in today's era where you have quarterbacks who have enough accuracy to be able to throw the ball up and, and, we all know that the way that they call games anymore, the defensive backs, you know, can't touch receivers, much less, you know, breathe on receivers anymore. And it's going to get a flag. Then a guy who is as physical as Drake London, I still think he's going to have a great deal of success. So I think that the critical thing, go back to your, your question, Ron, I think the critical thing is proving his health. And then if he can run and run reasonably well, then yeah, I think he's going to be a slam dunk for a shot pick. If he doesn't run or if it doesn't run well, I still think he's going to wind up being a top 50, top 64 selection. He's going to wind up making some general manager look awfully smart. Yeah, well, hopefully that general manager is John Lynch. All right, and <laughs> you know, talking about you know talking about Drake London. Last thing I want to uh, touch on him and the receivers, but at six foot five and over two hundred and ten pounds, the guy that he is, and we talked about maybe just the, the pure lack of straight line vertical speed. Well, one thing that's really interesting to see when you watch USC and you watch how to utilize him, he has eighty eight catches this year, over a thousand yards. I'd be willing to bet that about half of them were behind the line of scrimmage. They threw a lot of screens to him and let him make guys miss in short area. And that was one thing, especially with guys out of 6'5", you don't expect to see good short area quickness. But I thought Drake London showed that and flashed that uh, really consistently throughout the time watching him on film. I would 100% agree with that. And then to me, that's one of the reasons why I kind of – I love when you see – any football players, frankly, but especially pass catchers that have a basketball background, the way that Drake London does, you know, I mean, it, for one, you know, you think about the, you know, some of the tight ends, especially that are, are former basketball players, uh, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, and the, the list goes on and on. You rarely see a basketball player who doesn't catch the ball with his hands. I mean, otherwise the basketball is going to hit him in the chest. Right. So they catch right. the ball with their hands. And then if you're going to make somebody miss before you go to the hole, then you have to have that short area quickness. And Drake London has that. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, there's been some comparisons to Mike Evans. And I always worry about comparing a college player to an all pro guys who are just (laughs) freakish players. But at the same time, there are flashes. And that to me is one of the reasons why I had him in the first round. My my initial big board, I have him in the first round, even now, even with the injury, because I just think this we're talking about an exceptional talent. You'll get no argument from me. I like both their hands in terms of strength away from their body as well, folks. If you want to see all of this stack for Rob's current board, you got to go over to Fox Sports. You can see it all there. We'll be back with you next week with Rob again. Uh, Croc and I will will get back on the horse here next week, and we'll try to like take away some of the uh, the refs, uh, the, the sadness that I see in Croc's eyes about the defensive backs and how plays are called right now. We will get back to that. We appreciate you guys for being with us. For Rob Ragg, for Eric Crocker, I'm Ryan Tracy. Have a great weekend.